On today's show, the San Diego Padres have made headlines, certainly, with the little Juan Soto trade that you might have heard a little bit about, but they've been uncharacteristically, dare I say, kind of cheap this offseason. So we're going to be breaking down exactly that, why the San Diego Padres haven't been spending money, whether it's a good thing that they haven't been spending money, the Matt Carpenter trade, and a whole lot more. Let's get into it. You are locked on Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Tuesday, December 19th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes, occasionally, but I promise you, certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can find me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. If you only want Padres stuff, though, go check out the podcast where your pod's from. Go check out at LO underscore Padres. Go check out the YouTube. All sorts of good stuff on there. And yeah, go do that, guys. Today, we are breaking down exactly what is going on with the Padres' lack of spending. It is, it is freaking some people out. Not everybody. Twitter can be a little bit weird sometimes, but it's been a big question, and we have to talk about that because this is a Padres team that, dare I say, basically since I've been hosting this show, which is 2019, 2020, that they have never had a trade deadline or free agency period that felt all that quiet. And that's exactly what they've been this offseason outside of their trades of Juan Soto. So so even even when they're not even when they're being quiet with the spending, they still manage to make a lot of headlines. But it raises a lot of questions. Like, are they being cheap again? Are they reverting? Are they abandoning the promise to fans to really put out a big product and become a big spender in the league? There's a lot of questions there, guys. And we're gonna talk about them today. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 buckaroos if your pick team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And to get started with this topic. So I think let's start with this. Jeff Passan had a tweet the other day um, of the team free agent spending by teams this winter. And I think that this illustrated a lot that's wrong with the league sometimes and just in general what's going on. At the top is the Dodgers with $717 million spent uh, on a little player called Shohei Otani. If you want to be mad at me and my opinion on that, go check out my video on Shohei Otani from last week. The Phillies at 172, Diamondbacks 122, Giants 113, Royals at 105, which is a little bit surprising. The Cardinals at 99 million, Reds 87, Tigers, Braves, Rangers. And then you keep going, hilariously, and I think that we're going to talk about them later. Orioles only at $13 million, which kind of explains a lot of the problems with the league. Um, there's only a few teams that haven't spent money at all this year in the offseason. It is the Blue Jays, Cubs, Mariners, Marlins, Rockies, Twins, Yankees, and the San Diego Padres, right? In terms of new money allocated. Now, here's the thing. There are still a bunch of deals that will happen. You have to take into account the arbitration. So, for example, the Yankees, like they will be having the arbitration with Juan Soto, which is estimated according to Spot Track around $27 million. So that's a little bit off. But even still, it remains the same um, that the spending uh, doesn't always equate to necessarily uh, that the team isn't trying just yet, especially when you have so many free agents left. But if you look at that, you know, a lot of people will say, usually the teams that spend the most in the offseason don't win the World Series. Now, I think that's true, but teams that do spend in general win the World Series. Um, 
how do we start here? So with the Padres, there was also an article in The Athletic that discussed this, um, that discussed, you know, what is going on exactly. And it came out. I recommend everyone go read it. I always recommend everyone read athletic stuff. I think they do a great job. Yes, I know people like complaining about sports journalism. And sometimes the scoops aren't always on point. But uh, I think that judging these places based on only if they're doing insider, you know, Adrian Wojnarowski, Jeff Passan um, bombs. I think it'd be a little bit mistake, but I recommend everyone go look up uh, Dennis Lynn's article in Padres' winter of austerity. Payroll may end up below 200 million sources. And I want to start with two graphs. That I thought that were interesting from the article. The Padres' offers to, we're talking about Jung Ho Lee now, to the Korean standout were deemed competitive, but not especially close to San Francisco's winning proposal. Of course, we talked about this the other day. The Giants, dare I say, in in a, in a sense, they overpaid, right, for Jung Ho Lee. And that's only based on what he was expected to get by a lot of people for a KBO star who hasn't played in the majors, right? Um, sources told The Athletic. The gap fit a pattern that has emerged amid a winter of apparent restraint. According to people briefed on the club's thinking, the Padres might be inclined to open next season with a payroll that is more than a little lower than $200 million, a number that has been widely reported as a rough target. Some in the industry believe that international class could include, for next year, Japanese right-hander Roki Sasaki, who at 22 already is considered one of the world's best pitchers. Regardless of Sasaki's status, the Padres might prefer to be more aggressive in the free agent market next winter, when available pitchers could include Corbin Burns, Max Fried, Walker Buehler, Shane Bieber, and Justin Verlander. Side note, the last one I'm not interested in. He's going to be like 70 years old at that point. And you know damn well he ain't going to be good for us. If we, we'll get Justin Verlander when he finally runs out of gas. All these players are likely to decline potential qualifying offers, perhaps adding to the incentives to stay under the luxury tax threshold, threshold in 2024. So let's talk about uh, the beginning of this part, which is the idea that the Padres are just not spending right now because they want to spend next season. There have been reports that AJ Preller and company that they're waiting for the market to relax a little bit um, because there's just a lot of offers flying around. Obviously, the Otani thing set the internet on fire. And I think, frankly, that missing out on Lee is not the worst thing. And I said this many times. Let me be very clear. Jung-Ho Lee was my ideal dream scenario free agent. I don't necessarily mind that they passed on him for what the Giants ended up giving him. I don't necessarily mind that. I'm just I'm I'm assuming that they do have a plan considering that they have just traded Trent Grisham and Juan Soto, the two starters of their outfield last year. But when it comes to the spending, I don't necessarily mind that on Jung Ho Lee. And I think a lot of people are rightfully questioning, you know, this is a team that has spent for so long, so many years, right? Like this is a team that has such a big payroll. But it's worth keeping in mind that being below 200 isn't bad, guys. The team that spends the most upwards of 200 million every year does not win the World Series. There's a difference between spending and spending the most. Spending the most does not equate to winning a World Series or frankly even making it to the World Series. But spending in places you need, adding those middle tier contracts. The Diamondbacks, I think, are a great example. That team, after making the World Series, has not done what a lot of other teams usually do, which is sit back and say, we'll add a cute little reliever, i.e. what the Orioles uh, just did, the, who, who they signed? I forgot, the, the Jorge Lopez, I believe, is who they brought in. Or was it Flaherty? Who the, who the heck signed Jack Flaherty? I'm, whatever, that's besides the point, that that team won 100-something games, got smoked in the postseason, and they're not going after anyone big, I promise you. Like, until I see ownership change, the Orioles aren't going anywhere. So, 
that's just an example. You do need to spend, but spending upwards of 200 million, that doesn't always equate to success. You don't have to do this like it's an NBA team or a fancy baseball team where you're spending like the, the $45 of your mock budget on like those first round players. You don't have to just do that. Instead, look at the Padres like this. The Padres are already spending a lot of money. Their thing is, let's just like cut back a little bit and let's consider the fact that we still have Machado, we still have Tatis, we still have Xander Bogarts. Oh, I know, but Xander Bogarts was so bad last year. Xander Bogarts was bad in context. But out of context for a second, Xander Bogarts had a higher F4 than, say, Trey Turner. Trey Turner, if not for the fact that he went nuclear in August and September with a 179 WRC plus in August and 150 in September, Trey Turner had a 3.8 F4 last year. You know what Xander Bogarts had? A 4. The big thing with Xander Bogarts was runners in scoring position. And don't get me wrong, he had some really poor times, but he also finished strong. So if we're going to be giving credit for Trey Turner for stinking it up for most of the season and then getting hot at the end, we should bring up that Xander Bogarts was similar. The difference is that it wasn't for a winning team. And don't get me wrong, he didn't have like a, a WRC plus that was insane. But if you look at him, look at September, he had a 204 WRC plus, right? Like he's, he started really strong for the team and finished strong. And I think that you can tie his struggles to the wrist injury, in my opinion, or at least a good amount of it. Not to mention the fact that, quite simply, uh, players with their first new, like a new team, new contract, all that stuff, aren't always good immediately. So I think that he was actually okay in context of things. It's just the whole rest of the team stunk it up, right? And I think that they have plenty of stars. So that's what you need to look at. Instead, what should the Padres' strategy be? Being under 200, you can certainly win. Maybe you just go after and get some some role players, some good relievers, instead of spending all of your money on a Juan Soto, on a Jung Ho Lee, on a Cody Bellinger, on a Shohei Otani, right? Like any of those type of players, I think is okay. It's another one of the reasons why I'm not all for re-signing Blake Snell, right? Because I think that that would cost a whole lot more, although reportedly his market is down. But I would be against that just because my thing is we have a lot of money being spent right now. We have to deal with that. And let's sign good, smaller players and or take advantage of the farm system. So a whole lot of options to go about this, guys. And we're going to keep talking about them in just a second. But before we do that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm taking a sip of water. Before telling you about our good friends over at FanDuel. Look, man, if you bet on the Buffalo Bills yesterday, congratulations. I believe I called it last week on this show when talking about our homies at FanDuel. Place that money line bet. You killed it. The Bills blew them out of the water because I think Dallas was due for a loss, and I think the hate against the Bills was kind of dumb from a few weeks ago. It was like, they're, we still got, like, how long, guys? Why are we counting out, like, the second-best quarterback in the league in Allen? Anyway, um, go check that out, guys. If you want to bet on any sort of team with the money line, you can get a really heckin' good deal over at FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. One fifty one five. Oh, uh, buckaroos if your team wins. So go check that out for sure, guys. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's also no time better than now. You know, we're going to have pl NFL playoffs coming up soon. We've got NBA action going on right now. We're going to have NHL stuff, I imagine, happening. Um, there's plenty of stuff happening, and then we'll have Super Bowl stuff. And I imagine FanDuel will have plenty. They will have you covered. All of your props and whatnot, they got you covered at FanDuel. And speaking of props, that's right. Don't, it's not just money line stuff. You can do spreads, player props, over-unders, and a whole lot more. So go check that out, guys. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off your NFL season of betting. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And just like that, we are back, ladies and gentlemen, here 
on the Lockdown Padres podcast. I hope everyone is doing fantastico on today. We are going to keep talking. And the first thing I want to talk about while we get back on this track of the Padres' lack of spending is they did make a move this past weekend. They traded away Matt Carpenter, who had been uh, quite bad. Uh, reading now from MLB Trade Rumors, if you guys don't remember, um, also San Diego is including $1.5 million in cash as well as part of this. But uh, Matt Carpenter was really rough. Um, they guaranteed $12 million to him and allowed him to opt out after the first season. Um, but he was really bad, so obviously he opted in for that $5.5 million. So this is basically just a salary dump. They traded Matt Carpenter and Ray Kerr for and cash considerations heading to Atlanta in exchange for Drew Campbell. Drew Campbell, for what it's worth, not all that great. Reading still from the same article, 26 years old. 254, 307, 404 slash line, and 300 player play appearances at a 25-year-old in A. He could play all three outfield spots, but spent more time in a corner this year. After going unselected in the Rule 5 draft, he's likely to start the season in A. So, Drew Campbell isn't exactly like a player to be excited about. And, um, you know that even more so because the Braves then decided to drop Matt Carpenter after this move happened. They are probably interested in Ray Kerr, and they wanted a couple extra dollars. That's what that was. Um, Matt Carpenter was really bad. Um, and the Padres bet on a, a player like that. And I think that's one thing the Padres need to do is stop getting these Cano, Nelson Cruz, Matt Carpenter types, right? Like those just don't seem to work. Gary being the one exception, but don't go chasing after name value, I think is a really important thing when it comes to players where like, obviously let's say a Shohei Otani has name value, but he's still good. So what I'm saying is don't don't believe in guys who have name value that aren't good anymore, I think is the way to to say it. Don't expect a bounce back, especially for this team that doesn't seem to know to get the best out of its players, particularly its batters, specifically when it comes to the offensive side of things. So all the Pirates have done, really, this offseason is do a whole lot of cost-cutting. Now, we've talked about the Juan Soto trade plenty enough, so go check that out. That episode was a lot of fun to do. You can go check that out. I also talked with Steve Grinnell of Lockdown Yankees. You can listen to his perspective on the whole thing as well. And here is the thing, my dudes. The question is, the Padres' lack of spending, what direction do we want to go in? Let's start here with the lack of spending. Everyone's saying, oh, the Padres, let's do something. Now, frankly, I would love them to do something too because it's good for my channel and content. I love talking about trades and signings. Everyone does. It's exciting. But let's think about it. The Padres have been high rollers for a while. And under A.J. Preller, they have not won more than 89 games in a regular season. So don't get me wrong. In terms of the star power, in terms of the fun factor, it's a blast. Are you kidding me? In terms of bringing more attention to the team, it's been a blast. But in terms of like the concrete winning, aside from last year, the NLCS appearance, where they lost to the Phillies, unfortunately, there hasn't been a whole lot of like success. With this strategy, don't get me wrong, there's still a lot of good players. I'm still happy they have Manny Machado, but to the ultimate spending degree, do you still want to keep doing this? We keep seeing that this strategy is not working, right? That you should instead elect to do, in my opinion, what the Padres are doing, which is they have their star core, and now they have to build around them. And that's fine. You can go out there and be like the Dodgers. Again, the Dodgers do spend a lot. But think about it. J.D. Martinez, James Outman, those were solid contributors for the team last year. Jason Hayward, one win, two win players. That adds up, man. As long as you're not having your Matt Carpenter, you know, Nelson Cruz types, like that stuff adds up over the course of 162 games. So I think the Padres are making a wise decision here. It's not like they're electing not to spend. This is a very weird situation that they're in. Right? Let's be very clear. 
very weird situation they've been in. Um, I, I've seen plenty of people talk about this where it's like usually you trade away superstars. It's like classic baseball. Here we go. Red Sox don't want to pay. John Henry wants another you know limousine and another yacht. So they got to trade Mookie Betts to the Dodgers. And oh, the Orioles, they're not spending because their billionaire owner doesn't want us to. The Padres are still spending. And that's not why they're trading superstars. They're just in this rare situation. And more importantly, they're in this situation because they want to reset. As I just discussed before, they're looking, potentially, at the free agents next year. And I think that that's okay. And more importantly, the tax penalties for going over the luxury um, tax threshold go up every consecutive year. Reading from Forbes, it's 20% for the first time over, 30% for the second consecutive year, 50% for third or more consecutive years. And on top of that, there's a tiered surcharge, I'm sorry, system exceeding first surcharge level 20 million above the tax threshold, which is 230 million for 2022, 32%, 42%, and 62% for the going from first, second to third consecutive years. Exceeding second surcharge level, 40 million above the the tax threshold, 62.5%, and then 75% and then 95%. And so on and so forth. You get my my basic thing. It's it's a little complicated, but basically spending to kind of surmise it. The more years that the Padres are going above that salary tax, luxury tax threshold, the more they're going to pay in more extra taxes. So instead, especially considering, guys, if you want to be mad that they're not going to go out and sign stars, also keep in mind, maybe they don't necessarily do this if the team wasn't a total stink fest last year. And that they got some of those playoff money games. Right? Maybe they got some of them, them that TV money for being in the playoffs. So you want to be a little annoyed? Don't message them or anything. Be a little bit annoyed at the players not showing up last year. And be annoyed at AJ Preller not putting together. Like, be annoyed at that, the fact that they missed. If they don't miss last year, I think that they maybe keep Soto. Right? But because of all this, they, they want to reset and not go over. So instead, you get to reset your luxury tax threshold. Maybe even if they go above it next year, that's okay because it'll be just that 20% potentially. And I think that makes a whole lot of sense, quite frankly. And also, think of it this way. You know who decided to basically punt on free agency a year ago? They didn't punt entirely. I just mentioned them. J.D. Martinez and Jason Hayward being some additions. I believe they also signed Andrew Heaney, the Heen dog, as people call him. The Los Angeles Dodgers then decide to go crazy this season. They're still in on Yamamoto, and they signed Shohei Otani. So my thing is this. Copy. Be proud to follow that path of the Dodgers where it was like they said, you know what, we still have a really good team and we really want Shohei Otani. So instead, let's make some marginal moves along the lines. And then next year, we go big fish spending. Maybe that's what the Padres are thinking. This is a really top-heavy free agency class. It actually reminds me a little bit of when Nick Castellanos was a free agent, where it was like everyone's in my mentions saying we need to sign this guy. He's a great hitter. And I was like, agreed, but... It feels like you're just going after best available, not best. And there's a huge difference. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a huge, huge difference, I think, um, between all that. So if the Padres are saying, you know what? Let's chill out. We have a really good farm system still. Like, we have a really good farm system. And if they want to say, let's let's have Jacob Marcy play, you know, they could totally do that. They could totally decide, let's have Jacob Marcy play. And he's been doing really good for the team lately. So... Let's just have him, let's 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 give him a shot, right? Totally, totally makes sense. And in my opinion, 
I think that the Padres should try doing that because we have not done that for a very, very long time. And every time other teams tend to do that when they already have stars, you might get some diamond in the rough that comes out and can be a solid contributor, almost similar to when Jake Cronenworth became a nice, surprising Jake um, contributor back in the day. Back in the day, as it was just like three years ago. But you get my point. So I look at all this as saying, yes, it's a little bit of a bummer, but don't grasp at all these things. I'm sure. I just Those players that I just mentioned, the Martinez and the um, Jason Hayward, first of all, J.D. Martinez is out there. You could get him if you want to. That could be the new DH for the team. There's still some interesting free agents out there. And if Preller and company, the resources are correct, that they're just waiting for the market to die down, they can go out and give out a two for 20. Right, like they can go out and give like smaller additions, maybe retool the bullpen a bit. We're gonna talk about potential starting pitchers and relief pitchers later on this week that I think are under the radar targets that you could go after. I like that idea a lot better. Short-term contracts that you can get out, they become expiring guys. Then even if they do well, maybe you flip them at the deadline next year, and they're expiring. So that means that you're not gonna have to worry about them next year, and then you could then spend next year to get even better free agents. Then, in my opinion, we have this year, right? Like, I I don't think that the free agents this year are all that incredible, frankly. I just don't. Um, I, I don't. I don't think that they're that good. I think Cody Bellinger's weird. I think that he is a just just really, really weird uh, free agent. And then the year after that, you know, Juan Soto's going to be a free agent. Like, people are going to be spending a lot more. And I think that there are going to be some interesting players. So, again, especially when it comes to starting pitching, I think, which is what the Padres are most interested in. Um, and I'm for that. I really am. Before we keep talking, guys, about all of this, let me just give you one second to hear a couple words from our sponsors. And just like that, we are back, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Lockdown Padres podcast. Here's the thing, man. People are annoyed. Oh, why aren't the Padres spending? Well, they clearly were interested in Jung Ho Lee, and they clearly still have a big payroll. And if all indications are proven correct, they're saving for next year. Remember what happened when they didn't spend a lot of money two free agencies ago? I just mentioned the Castellanos. They then traded for Juan Soto midseason. I think it's okay to wait. Things happen, guys. There could be a player that no one's talking about right now who's not making all that much money, who's going to be available at the deadline, and the Padres have a good farm system that we'll talk about in a second, to trade for them. And also, by the way, by the way, um, what's it called? Um, I forgot what I was going to say. That I lost my train of thought. But that is what they did with Juan Soto. No one really knew he was going to be available. I think a lot of people were just kind of assuming. So there might be something like right in front of us that no one's seeing. And I think that's what the Padres are doing. The sports world is too unpredictable. You already have your star core. And I'm fine with them deciding, let's build around the edges. That's what they did a few years ago. And then 2022 happened. Right now, it is a bummer that the that unlike that year, the Padres have lost stuff. And I think that's why it hurts more now. So let me be very clear and provide um, credence to those fears for Padres fans right now. If you're watching or listening, I get it. They just lost Michael Waka and Seth Luga, which, by the way, do I have to now losing Waka Waka? Do I have to now retire Pac-Man from the show? I really like him because he is yellow, so that does fit the Padres' theme a little bit. But let me know in the comments if you think I now have to get rid of Michael Waka, now that he is officially no longer going to be a San Diego Padre. And they also got Seth Lugo. And frankly, I think that that's the Royals just being a little bit desperate to like spend and just getting some starting pitching because all their prospects failed when it came to their starting pitching. It just didn't work, so I think they're just 
grasping at straws, trying to get the best guys that aren't the top tier Montgomery, you know, Blake Snell, Aaron Nola types. I think that's that's what the thinking was there. But my in my opinion, um, the Padres need to let the kids play just a little bit. Um, if you want to go by Bleacher Report, which actually did their updated farm system rankings for next year, the Padres are actually number 11 for them, right? And then in terms of like what they're, what they view as the top overall prospects are, if I just pull this up real quick, Ethan Salas, Jackson Merrill, Robbie Snelling, Dylan Lesko, Samuel Zavala, Drew Thorpe, who was just recently acquired, Jairo Iriarte, Jacob Marcy, Adam Mazur, Dylan Head, and Victor Lazaraga. Um, they just acquired, obviously, Drew Thorpe, and Jacob Marcy um, has been doing pretty well. Um, in 2022, he hit 391, 509, 707 with 12 doubles, 5 home runs, 12, um, 20 RBIs, 25 runs scored, and 16 steals in 24 games. If they bring him up to be a starting center fielder next year or a left fielder or anything like that, and you maybe call Jackson Merrill, I don't mind that. I think that I would like some spending to supplement it in other areas, though. Maybe they decide, all right, let's go get some decent starting pitching or maybe some relief pitching. Two areas where they're, they're definitely struggling in. So I think that letting the kids play could be fine. I really do. The farm system, when I say having a good farm is helpful and I don't want to trade all of it, it's not because I think that these guys are going to be better than Tatis or better than Soto in this case. It's just having assets. It's having backup troops that don't cost you too much and put you in a position where the Padres have to trade Juan Soto, right? Like that's what's so important about all this. And I really do think that that's what they might be aiming for. And I like the farm a lot. They're ranked 11th by Bleacher Report. And just some other farm systems that are ranked above them, like the Mariners and the Tigers and the Tampa Bay Rays and the Milwaukee Brewers and the Rangers. The Rangers are an exception. They're just amazing. Like the fact that they have a good farm. Mets are an exception, but Red Sox, Cubs, Orioles are the number one farm system in baseball. Guess what? A lot of those teams, from Mariners to Brewers to Tigers to Orioles, I feel better than. You know why? Because this Padres team is set to compete now. I think that those that this team could be better than those other teams, potentially. Why? Because they have the commitment to spending. So I will take a top 10-ish farm system that also has the spending to support it. This is good news, guys. And if they want to, if things go great, and someone becomes more available. And when I say more available, I'm going to say someone like Dylan Cease. Maybe he starts becoming more available towards next year. Maybe you trade for him. You get more club control and you don't have to give up as much. Who knows? Because the White Sox are in a bad position right now. So they kind of have to trade him. I'm actually, I wouldn't be shocked if he is traded for. I don't know if the Padres will be able to. We'll see. But again, I think that you have to consider the fact that they have all this this going for them. Right? Um and I'd argue that the Padres farm system, when you consider like all the trades they've made as well, I think that they're phenomenal, right? I, I would actually, all things considered, like we have a better farm system than some of these other teams that like made the World Series and whatnot and didn't make nearly as many trades. The, the damn A's blew up their whole team and their, their farm system's ranked like 24th, right? The Blue Jays are a team that are ranked a lot lower than us, right? So that's that's my thing. The Padres really are, in my opinion, in a bit. That would be my too long didn't read for today. Ignore the fact that they haven't spent too much. The Padres are in a really, really good position, in my opinion. I think that getting Juan Soto, not to sound like P. 
Peter Brand from Moneyball opens up all sort of exciting possibilities for this team to spend and spend smartly. You already did the crazy contract, so let's go elsewhere. I'm all for it. I really am. And I think that it's going to be effective, and I think that there's a lot to be excited about. Ignore the Otani stuff. We all ranted. We got it out of our system. Lord knows I did. So ignore that and think about all the possibilities that they could do this offseason. There's still interesting players that I don't think will cost too much. Maybe even guys that you could take flyers on. I think the most interesting flyer right now is Frankie Montas. And I frankly, I don't know if they're, I, I'm not alone in that. This is a unique opinion. But you get him back of the rotation, not bad. And then they have Michael King. They've got a lot of good stuff, man. Like, I, I'm getting more excited and more into this team. I love how, like, last week was, like, pain central. And now I'm like, I'm kind of for it, man. I think I think this could be kind of good. I really do. Um, I think that they could do something. Um, and I think that the Padres, um, that this might be a little bit of a slow offseason now. I think their biggest moves are out of the way with the Soto thing but I think that they could potentially bring some guys back. I actually am wondering, I'll leave with this, with Blake Snell. There have been reports, and again, rumors and reports in baseball reporting are, are so frustrating to follow because sometimes they're, they're just nothing sauce, right? But there's been reports that the market for him isn't that huge. And I am wondering if it's a couple things. Robbie Ray got his Cy Young, a pitcher who has had Similar struggles where he's struggled with health. More importantly, he's been inconsistent throughout his career and he walks a lot of guys despite the strikeouts. He had that year with the Blue Jays where he's basically unstoppable. And then he goes to the Mariners and he's still an effective starter. And then he gets hurt and then he's out for all of last year despite winning the Cy Young. I think that the teams aren't going to fall for, oh, that's a Cy Young winner. So that means we have to pay him, you know, $300 million or whatever it is, right? I think that he's going to get what Robbie Ray got, if not less. Because people are looking at the red flags. They're saying, walks too many guys. You know, yes, he has two Cy Youngs, which is crazy. But walks too many guys. Padres had a really good defense behind him that might have helped him a bit last year. The fact that Ruben Yabel was the pitching coach, you know what I mean? He turns magic all the time. And then the fact that just he, the type of pitcher he is, he wasn't last year in this sense, but the inefficiency that he often pitches with, the fact that he's not always available, I think teams look at it as like, how is this guy going to age? I do think it depends on the team. I think that if you're a team that has a pretty good rotation already, spending on him makes a lot of sense. That's why I think that the I, that's why I think that the Mariners didn't make a mistake signing Ray because I thought you got Kirby, you've got Miller, you've got uh, Luis Castillo, you've got all sorts of stuff that like even if he's just an okay to solid pitcher, that that's like worth getting you know and taking that shot on him. We'll see how it pans out for them next year, but for me, I'm wondering now. Padres did clear out a bunch of room. There was a report from John Heyman that they were interested in him still. It was him, it was them, the Giants, and the Dodgers, I believe. So could they potentially do it? I could see it. I could still see them bringing back Blake Snell for that Robbie Ray type of deal. And just to remind everybody what Robbie Ray's contract was, let me just pull it up really quickly. Um, when did he sign this, by the way? It was 2022, five years, 115 million. That pays him about 21 million a year, and then it escalates to 23 million, which he was paid, um, will be paid this year, and then he has an opt out for um, for the 25 million, and then 25 million after that. For five years, that's not the worst thing I've ever heard, especially if you have some more space. Now, granted, I would love to spend this money elsewhere. Let me be very clear. I've said this since the beginning. I would rather take that that type of Robbie Ray salary that Blake Snell may get and spend it elsewhere because we already have a lot of money invested in this team. 
Is it a factor of the fact that they have a lot of dumb contracts? Yes. I'm sorry, guys. It's true. But this is what happens when you you go all in on the present. You know what I mean? And you don't plan for the future where you have the Cronenworth and Darvish things that hurt them. Right? It would be a lot better right now for me to be like, let's get Snell back. We love him. We love the vibes. If you didn't have that, those Darvish and Cronenworth contracts, for example. I'm not hanging on the Bogarts thing yet. And I think Padres Twitter, don't listen to Padres Twitter. The guy could still be great. It's year one of 11, guys. Give him some time. He could age very, very well. So give it a minute. And then if it doesn't, it's terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? If it, if it wasn't, it was terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? We'll see. But uh, that's what I'm, what I'm hearing. And that's my kind of vibe. So again, I think that low-level additions are the way to go for this team, considering the, the money they're spending already. Or you just trust in the kids. You get excited. It will be fun, actually. I think to have that like vibe of like top-tier stars and then some younger guys. You know, Jacob Marcy, Jackson Merrill. Maybe they call up... You know, Robbie Snelling next year. You got Michael King on the roster now. You got, you know, Johnny Brito and Randy Vasquez as just some fill-in guys. I don't mind that. I would personally like to address the bullpen, get a back-of-the-rotation flyer reclamation product type starter, and call it a day. I know that's not exciting, but remember, if next year Tatis goes back to MVP form with his bat, he was already a good player this year because he was a damn platinum glove winner. But if he goes back to MVP mode with his bat, if Xander Bogarts goes back to even what he was like 75% of what he was that last year in Boston. Solid defense, hits you those doubles, just a clutch hitter in a lot of ways. If Machado goes back to what we're always used to from him, then it's like, that's a, that's already an improvement right there. And if you just expect the regression to the mean when it comes to situational hitting, which I think is not something that translates year to year, I do not think that is a reflection on a player or a team. I think that that's just what happens sometimes, i.e., to use a football analogy, where the Vikings won all of their close games last year, and then this year they're very mixed. That's just what's going to happen. You can't be extreme in one direction. In this case, I don't think the Padres are, again, going to be historically unclutch for the second year in a row. So have that. Maybe you get some breakouts from younger players. I like it, man. I really do. I think this team can be really solid, and I think it could surprise people. And we already saw two years ago that team surprised people. I know that they traded for Soto and Josh Bell and Brandon Drury, but they weren't even that great in the regular season. It was later that they were good. So my thing is, that team didn't have a lot of expectations, and what happened? You got a little bit more. You got you got Jake Cronenworth that was helping you out. Then you got a big boost from Hassan Kim. Then you got a big boost from, shockingly, someone like Jorge Alfaro, right? And then you had the big Machado season, don't get me wrong, but that team was not even nearly as talented as what we have right now. And they won more games than the Pirates did last year. So look at how many games they won with Soto, and look how many that they could potentially win without him because they still have stars and a farm and an ownership committed to spending. And that's it, ladies and gentlemen, for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. Me on my soapbox as usual. In terms of the rest of this week, we got some fun stuff planned out for you. Next episode, which should come out tomorrow, we are going to talk about some of the under-the-radar additions when it comes to the relief pitching and starting pitching side of things. Already talked about hitters, um, I believe, last week. So go watch that. That'll be a lot of fun, and then we're going to talk about pitchers. Hopefully, none of these guys get signed uh, while I record or whatnot. Look forward to that. Then we're also going to talk about, speaking of spending and saving and all that stuff, Hassan Kim. Does it make sense to trade him? We're going to be talking about that, of course, this week as well. And then we'll be back the week after talking about potentially trading for Dylan Cease. Might bring on my Locked On friends to talk about that one as well. Trading for Randy Rosarena? Maybe, maybe. He's another name that's been out there. Who knows if that happens, guys. A lot of fun stuff on the horizon. Don't worry. Even if nothing happens, there'll be stuff happening on this here channel and podcast feed. So don't worry. 
Until next time, stay safe, and of course, stay faithful, my Fire Faithful homies. Take care.